Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. And I, I, I really took that as a mission. I sat down and I thought, now, okay, now what would I need to be able to do to be able to charge 5x? And it was things like, um, okay, my client was a grocery retailer. Um, I went on a mission to read every single annual report that's published in English of any grocery retailer across the world. And you pick up the most amazing things. You know, you can then walk into a meeting and say, do you know what Walmart are doing with their incentive schemes? And people say they don't know. You know, you're a thought leader. You, you, you build an expertise, you know. And today's guest mentor, John Stretch, also goes on to explain exactly what he did to achieve this 5x impact. And also on today's episode, we both go on to deconstruct together the key traits to become a trusted business partner, why there's so many fearsome accountants out there and how we can go about becoming one ourselves and the usefulness of having our own 18-month rolling forecast. You know, one of the great things about having John on the show is he's seen an awful lot in his four or five decades of being within accounting and finance. I mean, one of the stories he goes on about is how he got into financial modeling very early on, well before Excel was even a pipe dream and uh, they had to use mainframe computers and and how he's seen our profession grow in fact how we've even become more informed and the critical thinking we've developed and that really excites him so he goes through where we've come from and how it builds us very well for the future so this is a must listen for our audience today and should you find the episode useful please don't forget to share with your friends and colleagues uh, comment on the post also Uh, we're on all the major platforms itunes stitcher soundcloud and youtube and we really appreciate you investing your time with us today. So without further ado, over to John and the show. John, welcome to the show. Thank you, Andrew. It's what a pleasure to be here. Yeah, no, John, and it's a pleasure that you're on, you're on our, our show. And, you know, as we sort of do with all the, the guest mentors on, would really appreciate maybe taking a, a brief moment to describe your career journey in accounting and finance for our audience, please. Um, well, Andrew, I suppose uh, the, the real catalyst in my journey was uh, when in my, in my early 30s, I was a junior partner in one of the big four firms in the consulting division in the beautiful city of Cape Town. And uh, I was invited to give a guest lecture at the local business school, which uh, went rather well, particularly the Q&A session afterwards. And uh, I came back from that fairly convinced that teaching and debating had to be some part of my future. And uh, got into doing part-time lecturing at, at, the, at the business school and uh, then incorporated uh, that's, that into my consulting style and started doing a lot of consulting. Instead of one-on-one consulting or being part of a project team like those big four firms typically do, um, to, to, to go and run workshops where I had maybe half a dozen or a dozen people from the client and uh, 
taking a subject and actually throwing it around and coming out with an answer at the end of it. And uh, the, the, the part-time lecturing and the, started to clash a little bit with the, the objectives of the practice. So in the end, the right thing to do was to, to go out and open my own consultancy. And then from there, I was fortunate enough to get onto the national and international circuit uh, with, with lecturing and consulting. And now at, at the ripe old age of 70, I have retired from most international travel <laughs> and, uh, and and started my fifth career which is you know to take to, to, to take my my thoughts and ideas online Andrew and I've been now building um, a whole lot of interactive courses on um, on my website johnstretch.com wow wow so so John like I mean you know that that's that's uh, I suppose an incredible venture to, to undertake after well, what seems to be quite a, a broad stretching career. I mean, you must have seen an awful lot of things change across that time. I mean, what, what particularly stands out for you in terms of the, the, the workshops you've been doing or the interactive, or even when you were in practice, I mean, what really stands out for you as a, as a particular key moment? Oh, there, 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 there are a few, but um, Andrew, um, I had a lucky break when I first um, joined the, uh, the EY um, partnership. Um, I came across a client uh, whose kind of thought process worked the same way uh, as, as I did in certain areas, and he was into f financial modeling. Now, this was a long time ago, and I, I, can you believe it was before spreadsheets? So when we built financial models, we built them on a mainframe computer, <laughs> and it, it took a, a couple of hours to, 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 to get the coding right and this and that and the next thing, and uh, that I, yeah, and that, that enabled me to, to, to build up a, a reputation as, as something of a subject matter expert in financial modeling before the, we, we had any financial modeling software. And uh, that, that helped me a great deal in my, yeah, in, in my business career. Yeah, I, I mean, for some of our, our audience listening in there, that, that must be quite, you know, when, when we're working through on a model and it's not working out as we intended, at least we're not trying to interact with a mainframe <laughs> or, or put in punch cards or, or whatever you had to do um, to to get the model out and um, i mean imagine changing it was probably a, a slow process um I, I i i suppose the fundamentals of financial modeling even in the days before spreadsheets probably haven't changed much i mean what what is the fundamentals of a good financial model in your mind john um ah fundamentals um, always have three sections input processing and output um apply uh, analysis to the results that come out of the model, uh, rigorous analysis. Um, so if you're doing a projected income statement and balance sheet, then uh, you know, I normally run it, filter it through um, about 24 different ratios to, to see whether the results are internally consistent, you know. And so, That's 24 ratios. I mean, what would be involved in those 24 ratios? I mean, what sort of things would you be looking at there? Oh, combinations sometimes. So in addition to the to the, to the basic ones, um, then we're looking at, at uh, two or three versions of free cash flow, um, interest covers, fixed charges covers. Um, yeah, th th those types. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. And, and again, I, th I think that that's good in terms of make sure that the, the, the modeling is making sense. And then, then I guess, you know, w when you sort of mentioned the workshops, I mean, have, have they sort of uh, changed much throughout uh, your, your career in terms of... Um, the type of people attending or the questions or the, the, the ideas and stuff being kicked around in there? Uh, I mean, how's that been changing? Andrew, with, without question, the people today are 
um, so much better informed. And uh, I, if I can say so much more critical and that, that applies whether I'm talking about here in Johannesburg or whether it's, it's, it's in Singapore or Kuala Lumpur. Um, you, you get some, some people asking some very tough and very smart questions. And uh, as the years go by, I find it harder and harder to keep up, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so okay i look that that's a positive for a profession so i'm delighted you said that right but then to put you on the spot a bit um what can people do to make it harder to answer for in your make, make it hard for you in your shoes to answer those questions i mean you know when it comes to critical thought which is a key skill today in finance and accounting i mean how can folks in your mind maybe develop that uh become more informed i mean what what, what sort of key steps they could take there john oh um you're coming on onto a bit of a, a hobby horse. Uh, look, we, we, I think all of us who, who do a, a bit of reading and we're concerned about the profession and its successes and its failures, um, realize that we're going to have to, to do some massive changes to to adapt for the future and and this whole four IR whatever it is. Um, so I'm I'm saying all right. We talk a lot about how the future is going to be um, in management accounting more than any more than anything else because a lot of the other processes are going to be automated. But in addition, um, it, it's it, this whole story about being a trusted business partner. And you've seen Andrew and I've seen all the correspondence, people writing papers on what do you need to do to become a trusted business partner? You must be able to contribute at the strategic level, da 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 da. <laughs> you know, my, my, my view on this uh, is that uh, not everyone is, in, is, is born on this planet to become a, a trusted business partner. And um, if you look around yourself, if, if, if I look back on my career, you know, I can only hone in on two people in two different organizations, both um, well, national or international organizations, who really played the, the part. They just were trusted business partners. They, they were uh, qualified accountants, but they could walk into any, any area of their business in any part of the world, and people would immediately accept them and, and listen to them and, and so on. And it was much more about personal characteristics and uh, the ability to get on with people. Um, if, if, if there was a, a technical issue, a, te a technology issue that people wanted to explore and they didn't have the knowledge, well, go and find the knowledge, go and source it somewhere, you know? It's, <laughs> you, know you don't have to be an, an expert on every element of strategy and every element of, of uh, scenario planning and so on. If you need scenario planning, go find a scenario planner but much more about how to make the, the moments work and, 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 and the process. So I say to people, if you want to learn how to become a trusted business partner, look around in your own life and find one or two and emulate them. I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. I mean, um, but, but my only challenge with that though, John, is um, we're all put here with various different strengths yeah. or capabilities. And I think a lot of us are probably searching for, I don't know, like, the, I mean, for instance, business partnering has been around since the 1960s. Yeah. It seems to get a lot of attention now, but we're not all designed to be it, nor would it play to all our strengths if we were chose to be uh, that sort of um, business partnering. Now, the mindset is, is applicable to, to all of us, but yeah. how we go about it, well, that, that might be different. And it's like, as you said, some people's strengths could be in the scenario planning which is quite a valuable area for organizations. So why don't people focus on that? And maybe let other people deal with the, I don't know, the, the sort of personal characteristics, the social intelligence side, maybe have an appreciation of that, but yeah. not necessarily 
go go and become an expert in it because you're taking away from your, your strengths or your gift yeah and, uh, and 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 that sort of yeah that sort of gets a bit clouded um in the conversations out there i think but i mean what what do you think well I think if you look at the characteristics that you're going to find, you're going to find fundamental things like uh, the people, they, they're, not, they're, not, they're not scared to travel. So they travel a great deal, the trusted business partners. They're quite happy to go off to India to see how the factory there is doing and so on. Um, they are quite happy to speak in, in, in extemporary and speak in public. They work extreme, extremely unbelievably hard in short bursts. Um, you know, the, you, yeah, you, you go and visit the factory in India and there's a feasibility study to be done. And they'll work like 17, 18 hours for three or four days and they'll get the thing done and they'll get the plan and come home. That builds trust like you can't believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's very it's very visible. Yeah. It's very visible yeah. and very committed. And I think it inspires a lot of people around. Maybe it's, it's one of those sort of aspirational things for a lot of folks. Yeah. Um, I, I, I get in there. And, um, and like, I suppose, you know, in terms of, again, you sort of said about uh, someone r- turning up in India and doing that case. I mean, you must have seen some interesting scenarios uh, during your, your sort of 70 years, uh, particularly in our profession. Um, I mean, what would what was sort of, I suppose, in terms of the biggest the biggest change you're seeing happening now that that uh, that either excites you or scares you a bit? That's uh, no, very, very exciting. Andrew. Um we are producing these wonderful or fearsome accountants uh, <laughs> that, that uh, you know, that I, I come across from time to time. Um, you, you talk, I'm talking about people with a, even an honors or a master's in statistics or in, in uh, maths, um, that uh, they know how to code and they, 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 they can just do the most phenomenal things. I mean, talk to, to, to two, of the, two, of these, um, two of these youngsters who work in a bank. They said, yeah, um, people come to us with an idea and, or a new banking product or, so, or a variation. And we say to them, make, make six PowerPoint slides explaining your idea. And then email it to us. And within three hours, we'll build you an app. It's a rough app, but it's a rap, app that works. And now, now we can go and test it out on, on customers, clients, inside the bank, whatever it is. And I mean, man, that is phenomenal. Now, compare that to sitting down and doing a feasibility study or a market survey or whatever. It's just so powerful. And, and those are the kind of people that are coming into our profession. Yeah. So, so how, do we, how do we gain strength from those people and make the most of it? Yeah, it's talent management, isn't it? The the bigger organizations have got very good programs for actually finding people with those kind of talents and helping them to exploit them and uh, creating career paths for them. And I suppose our audience are wondering, should, they, should some of they go and do down that path or should they just focus on what they've been doing well? Because we, we hear a lot about... Um, the threat of our profession being digitized yeah. and you know it's great to see new blood coming in maybe sort of leading that with their their, their skills but like what about uh, the rest of us that maybe yeah. trained 20 years ago and uh, you know what should we be doing yeah well uh, you know it sounds a bit hypocritical because i'm not going to do it <laughs> yes <laughs> you know i'm out to, i'm out to grass now but uh, yeah <laughs> well, well, well how can i say you said you were developing interactive training you are, yeah, so what would you what, yeah, that's, what, that's, what should people looking at so yeah that's keeping me busy enough <laughs> yeah <laughs> um 
but yes, I see, I see no reason why middle-aged accountants can't learn to code. Um, the, the courses are available for free on the internet. And uh, yeah, there's no reason why you can't learn to code. And if you can learn to code, you can actually start to build apps. And that's the future. It, it it is although right i'm going to qualify qualify that a little bit is um as much as it's good that we can build apps um like i i did dabble in in, in coding for a bit i did build an app out there uh, and managed to get quite quite a large um people submitting their details it was a way of trying, trying to identify strengths across industries yeah. and, and professions and roles so then i go into it to uh because i've been into it a while to um to check because i'm speaking at a conference soon and um to get some some insights from it, and I I made it so secure I actually couldn't get back into it. <laughs> so yeah, I know. So so if you are going to try and develop apps, you know, probably probably we're partnering with someone who knows what they're doing as well for yes, advice. Yes, yes and right. um, and and that's what I've had to do now. So I've had to get someone to do it properly. But but the experience itself of going through the coding, I have to say, was really refreshing because it really helped figure out what what how should I be structuring an idea, how should I be structuring the process. And I do think that our skills in finance and particularly in accounting, even, I mean, auditing, I think is quite a key one here, is building strong processes that are robust, secure. I think there are a lot of things that companies are working for. So by by no means, you know, um, by, by not being able to code, are we letting ourselves down? We've got great transferable skills, maybe an appreciation of coding and partnering up with who, people who can code could be a really good uh, route for us to to have a have sort of, more meaningful experiences into the future and not be sort of left behind or digitized as a lot of people are saying is, is going to happen. Uh, that, that, that is actually, exactly it, Andrew. We, we, we hear about how all the routine accounting functions are going to become automated. Um, uh, the whole accounting and recording function, um, the, the tax and all of those things are going to be automated in the future and management accounting is all that's left. And I say, don't fight that. Become part of it. Become part of that that whole automation. Master it. Um, go go along on the journey. Embrace it, because otherwise you will you will be left behind. Um, I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure you remember when when uh, or perhaps you don't. But when when Excel and 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 that laptop computers and and in even desktops first came in, there were a whole lot of financial directors in my country who at that stage were in their fifties. And they just ducked the whole question of getting becoming computer literate, mm -hmm. and within five okay. five years they they were out of a job, and uh, I, th I think this is going to going to happen here as well. That that's that's powerful. I think mean, that is I think that is a good well. It's a powerful image for our audience to take away, because it it sort of highlights the importance of embracing it. Like uh, these things, you just sometimes you just have to embrace them best we can. We're not saying become experts. I mean, I don't think you're saying that, John. I think it's a case of just be aware and and embrace it and know what it's about and how to to leverage it. I guess is that that's you know, exactly you know, that is what I'm saying. Yes, to be able yeah, to talk yeah. the talk to to the experts. talk the talk. Ex great expression. Yeah. So we, we need to be better to talk the talk. And uh, and and John, like uh, I know, sort of jumped into that, but. Um, but you did say to me you were developing interactive training. Um, you know, you sort of said you're, you're going out to grass a bit, which I, I'm sort of, that would be a shame. Uh, you, you know, so far you've been sharing amazing insights with us. So so why why interactive training? Like why why at this stage? Why now? Um, well, because I, I think it's part of the future and particularly in Africa, 
uh, 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 in India as well, but uh, Africa, um, which I'm familiar with, there's such a crying need for 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 this kind of of, of, of education. And uh, we we have uh, many organisations here which are physically very distributed across uh, quite a large area of land, and uh, for HR people to bring twenty managers together from all over Africa for a workshop, a seminar, a training course, and so on, it's just prohibitively expensive. Um, I've just signed a contract with with an organisation, the smallest, sixteen hundred employees, but it's 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 all over Southern Africa, and uh, we're putting a, a basic finance for non-financial managers course and another one on credit approval uh, together, and that will enable those people to to do this to do the work and go, attend the courses exactly where they are. So I, I think it's the future. It makes sense. Mm. Well, well, yeah. I mean, I, I look at uh, commercially. It's such a such a huge, expansive region. I, I actually admire people who have responsibility to cover those uh, regions. It's just such a lot of travelling involved to go face to face or anything that could ease the burden on that's great. And I love also the fact that you know I don't see I don't know about you, John, but I don't see anytime soon courses on finance for non financial managers. <laughs> Is uh, is ever going to go away? I mean, finance is still going to remain key, no matter what we've been saying so far, right? Absolute generic, yeah. You're so right. Yeah. So, so um, look, John, really appreciate the great the great advice you've uh, been sharing with us. Um, but I suppose, from your perspective, what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received? Uh, strangely enough, it was three words: um, "You're too cheap." <laughs> okay. What's the story behind that? How did that come about? Um, there is a supermarket chain in our in our region, which was started by an, an amazing entrepreneur many many years ago, and he's grown it up now to where he's got twenty thousand employees. And I was wow. I was in the financial director's office one day, and we were discussing incentive schemes and growing, developing incentive schemes for the management group. And uh, this this. Uh, the chairman, uh, as he was then, he walked in and uh, he was introduced and then he, he stood against the wall and, and, and we carried on with our conversation. And uh, once we'd finished, he, 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 as he walked out, he said to me, um, that was interesting, young man. He said, uh, I just want to tell you, you're too cheap. <laughs> he walked out. And I, and I said to the financial director, what on earth does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Am I wearing the wrong tile? <laughs> and, and he, well, and the financial director, he, he looked at me and said, don't even think of putting your fees up. So, oh. <laughs> but, I, but I went away and reflected on that. And, and I thought about the other consultants that this huge, this big organization employed, you know, um, the marketing people that they use, the advertising people, the legal advisors they use, the brand builders that they use, the human resource outsiders and so on. And who they were, and they were most of the, the, the those consultants were internationally or nationally known figures. And I was pretty sure that they were charging, if I was charging X dollars a day uh, for my consulting, they were charging three or four or even five X. And then the question became, if I'm too cheap, how do I become worth five X? And I, I, I really took that as a mission. I sat down and I thought now, Okay, now what would I need to be able to do to be able to charge 5x? And it was things like, um, okay, my client was a grocery retailer. Um, I went on a mission to read every single annual report that's published in English of any 
grocery retailer across the world. And you pick up the most amazing things. You know, you can then walk into a meeting and say, do you know what Walmart are doing with their incentive schemes? And people say they don't know. You know, you're a thought leader. You, you, you build an that expertise, is, you know. But so, so, I, I, sorry, I'm just blown back by how simple that is to do, but how powerful in the same motion. It's an investment of, of time, yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, God, I can only imagine. But it's, but yeah, but it, it doesn't need, um, you know, most of us, in finance can read i guess you know um but like it's it's taking that compiling i don't want to belittle what you've done i think that is just i just think that that's something that really could inspire our our, our audience because again in finance and accounting we have access to decision makers we've access to data we've got abilities that through our training to connect dots together and 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 potentially even run some financial scenarios above that to figure out the impacts of what we're seeing and understanding and interpreting. So so if, if one of our our audience should should undertake that, whether it be in um, the, the retail sector, or energy sector, or something along those lines, you as you said, John, you, you could become a thought leader, um, very very well after you've gone through the material, you know, very quickly once you can combine your knowledge and, and do something with it, right? That's right. And you see, people the, the people do analyze annual reports from, from top, top to end, but it's mostly the analysts. I don't think people uh, like ourselves necessarily read those things in, in the, to just to, to pick up the knowledge of, of, of what they're doing. And then there's no... It doesn't. It's not just for consultants. I mean, if if you if if you are a CFO in no, retailing, that's the point. You should be doing this. That, but that that's but that's the point. But but uh, but I do think I do think in today's age, though, right? And and again, uh, it's you know with people's attention spans diminishing. I mean, uh, like growing up, we we were very much encouraged to read books all the way through. And I'm not saying people should do that. But I mean, how many of us now are, are going on the LinkedIn's or our institute websites and flicking through white papers and not taking the time to, time to digest them properly? Yeah. We're skimming through things. So it's a real way of, of developing a comparative advantage yes. and adding value relative to others just to commit to really focusing and reading the material and understanding it, absorbing it and figuring out how can you leverage that knowledge to help whoever we're serving or working with um, to, to make an impact for them. I mean, John, I mean, like, you know, I can sort of see, I can see, even just looking around me, I can sort of see opportunities for our listeners to go, go make use of that insight. I mean, that, that is, it, it may sound simple, but I think it'd be very powerful for our audience to go, go follow and do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just certainly, yeah. How do I become worth 5X? That, yeah, that, that, that's, a great, <laughs> that, that's a great one. And, and actually, no, in fairness, there, there's been a number of, of guest mentors come on, John, and, and they reinforce this point, is, you know, we need to be able to understand the value we're offering anyway. You know, how do we justify our salaries? You know, um, because if we think in that way, we'll continue to be remain relevant uh, because we'll be focused on delivering the most meaningful solutions to those problems that are, are, are impacting our organizations. It's... Um, you know, you're, not, you're more than just a salary. You know, you're a contributor. And, and I think that's what organizations are looking for nowadays as well. And, you know, there's that, that impending threat of the gig economy that's growing. A lot of us could be more involved in transactional roles. 
So yeah, if we're in a competitive marketplace in that way, we, we're going to have to justify our value somehow. So I think your tip is, is actually, it may sound simple, but I think it's really powerful. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so look, uh, I, you know, I, I, um, I spent more time deconstructing that than I anticipated, John. So again, appreciate your patience. Is, um, is there any sort of resources you found useful? Any Maybe, maybe a book or a documentary that maybe your audience could go check out as well? Mm, I think mine is fairly conventional um the uh, that business adventures uh, that, that john brooks wrote mm. which yes. we all know is bill gates and warren buffett's favorite book um <laughs> is is well, it is influential there's no doubt it's old it's yeah. historical but it's a story it literally is a, is some great stories of of the the development and growth of some of our uh, iconic uh, united states businesses you know and very good. And then for, for personal finance, uh, the one that influenced me the most was, was the book called The Millionaire Next Door. You will remember it, I'm sure. The Millionaire mm. Next Door. Um, okay. Uh, I, I, I have to check that one out. Yeah. Uh, John, but why, why, why? I mean, obviously, Business Adventure is very well known, but, but Millionaire Next Door, um, why, why would you recommend that one? Um, it's about personal financial habits. Uh, a, a number of years ago, one of the banks in the United States wanted to target high net worth individuals. Um, they managed to find a database, I think, through through the internal inland revenue of um, high net worth people, uh, but they they've, they've only found very few of the stereotypical executive in a business jet. They they then found that the majority of high net worth individuals, literally, were people who lived in middle class suburbs, right next to people who were not high net worth individuals, and so they they, they commissioned two university professors to go and and do some research into these high net worth, and they found that they were butchers and bakers and candlestick makers and plumbers and, and accountants and lawyers, but they would, they would just had millions. And uh, the, the, the research was now what was different. And I have to say that a lot of it boiled down to, to living frugally. <laughs> like they never bought yeah, which, which in we can do. <laughs> but, and 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 good good savings habits but enormous common sense and i, I just based my yeah. entire personal financial life on, on that book the millionaire next door that's that's I, i'm intrigued now i'm gonna to have to check that one out uh, john <laughs> so thank you for recommending both those resources and i suppose should some of our audience wish to continue the conversation uh, how is the best way to connect with you and they can go and visit my my um, website at johnstretch.com or they can um, email me at also through the website or at at uh, um, stretch at global stretch at global dot coza that's co dot z a i was about to <laughs> thanks for, for, thanks for saying that yeah <laughs> z, z a appreciate you for z africa yeah, there we go. Thanks, thanks for. That. I always wonder why it was said. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so, 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 it's been uh, been really enjoying our, our conversation. And uh, before we wrap up, would you have any maybe parting thoughts for our, our audience? First thing I do every morning when I hit my desk is write down the three most important things that happened yesterday to me and mm, reflect okay. on them for five minutes. And then, and then I develop my plan and my priority for today, my to do list, like most of us do. And uh, Andrew, I, I also live with a, a, I have a personal 18 month rolling forecast um, of, of me. And uh, that's my business and my personal life and, my, and, and, and so on, family life, uh, which I update on uh, rigorously on the first of every month. But I guess most people do that anyway. 
Well, you you say that right, but um, I may, maybe maybe they do, and maybe that's why I don't hear about about it as much, John. I really appreciate you sharing that, but um, there are plenty of people who don't, and I encourage people, like I do, I do similar, John. But I encourage people to 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 think about that and why would that be important? I mean, we get it, but like you know, uh, and um, but like why 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 should our audience, those that aren't doing it, why should, why should they consider something like an eighteen month rolling forecast for themselves? Maybe not just for work, but for personal, family, and, and other things. Well, it, it it comes back to the whole reason why we we do rolling forecasts for for finance and it and, and business, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> the whole the whole all the story, the plan, the method of allocating resources, um, yeah. so that you've got something to change when events change. Yeah, I yeah, but you see, but you see, like that's common sense, and we we're very good at applying it to work. Yeah, you know, but then when we step out of that office or step away from our desk or whatever, sometimes it just goes out the window. So take our training and make the most of it. You know, there's some good stuff we can apply to our personal lives too. That that, and by the way, like it was only I think it was like 25 when someone pointed that out to me. You know, I thought I was doing well, but I I wasn't. And uh, once once that 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 change is made, you have your own sort of rolling forecast. Uh-huh. Um, I talk about this on the web, so so look, it's uh, appreciate you bringing it up, John. So uh, so John, look, uh, thank you so much for for coming on the show today. Really appreciate your insights, uh, your journeys, uh, some incredible uh, stories about the the early days with the the mainframe and the modelling, and uh, I think we also had a really good discussion about uh, the digitization of our profession. In some ways, our our uh, our audience can five x themselves. <laughs> so, so thank you for coming on the show john really appreciate it's, investing it's, your time it's with been us. an absolute pleasure indeed andrew thanks very much so there you have it hope you enjoyed today's show if you'd like to know more about our guests today their bio and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com there you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows read the latest blogs There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.